Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast, and I just want to say thank you for being a listener. Thank you for sharing this podcast, and if you know someone who is lost, who has never given their lives to Jesus Christ, or if you know somebody who's wandered from the faith, maybe it's a friend or a family member, and you're kind of nervous about sharing your faith, scared to share your faith, I just pray that you would uh, just share with them the length of this podcast, and that way the Holy Spirit will work through you and through me, and and because God promised His word will not go forth void, and we'll pray together that the Holy Spirit will uh, influence their lives and penetrate deep within their soul and their being, and that they will be obedient to the Holy Spirit and give their lives to Christ. And again, I just want to say thank you for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for listening. Uh, how if you're listening by Spotify or or uh, iTunes or iHeartRadio or Google Podcasts, uh, God bless you. Um, I'm going to start off this podcast by asking you some questions. And I've got four questions that I want you to answer. The first one is, who are your favorite people? Are they named me, myself, and I? The second one I want to ask is, does the way you live your life on a daily basis focus on you, yourself, or other people? The third one is, if... If we could see your bank account, if we could just just have get on your phone and open up your bank app or or get your statement that you get uh, from uh, the bank each month and just open that thing up. If we could see your bank account and see your statement, would we see how you have spent money on yourself or would we see how you spent money to help others? What would be your main focus? You yourself? Or others and the last one I want to ask is this if if we had a logbook of your life if we could see everything that you do on a daily basis and it was logged out in an Excel spreadsheet and we went down through that list who would we see is the focus of your life on a daily basis is it yourself or is it other people I was servicing a store this week with, on my little Debbie route, and there were these two older ladies. I, I'd say they were probably in their 70s. Uh, they were talking to each other, and they had a pretty lengthy conversation. And I, I had music in my ear, so I, I wasn't listening. I promise I was not eavesdropping on their conversation. But um, when they finished their lengthy conversation, uh, they, they, they started to depart, and the lady one of them turned and had to walk toward me. And, and so she had caught my attention. I turned to look at her. And when we made eye, eye contact, she told me this. She said, I'm so tired of taking uh, care of everybody else. I've been taking care of everybody else my whole life. It's time to take some time for me. Um, so that to me, that was a pretty good testimony for that lady because she, and evidently, that's what they were talking about, meeting somebody's needs, I'm sure, in their conversation. But this lady just told me that she has put other people's needs before her needs 
her whole life. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus did when he started his ministry at the age of around 30. And for the next three to three and a half years, as he was uh, before he was crucified, before this night that we're going to talk about in John chapter 13, even in John 13, he is he is putting the needs of others before himself. And we are Christians. If we're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and we're filled with his Holy Spirit, we are Christians, which means we are to be Christ-like. And Christ, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, his focus was always on other people and meeting their needs and not his own. And in John 13, it's one of the greatest examples of this because Jesus is going to do something that literally blows the minds of his disciples. And he is going to wash their feet. And, and Peter was so appalled he just did not like the idea of Jesus. Here's God in the flesh, the Messiah, and he is he has taken a, a pitcher of water or a bowl of water and he has taken a towel and he's he's wrapped it around his waist and he's going around to each disciple and he's washing their feet. And when he gets to Peter, Peter just he he don't want any part of it. And he says, "Lord, you you you're you're not you're not washing my feet." And Jesus says, "If if, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, then then you don't have no part of me and I don't have no part of you. And so Peter says, well, hey, don't only wash my feet, but here's my hands and wash my head as well. Just wash me all over. But before we dig too far into John 13, I want to back up just for a minute. It's time for the Passover to begin. And Jesus is having one last celebration or Passover celebration with his disciples. We call it the, the, the Last Supper. Uh, the Lord's Supper that we partake uh, on Sunday mornings. If your if your church does that every Sunday uh, morning, some do it uh, quarterly, some hardly do it at all. But uh, whatever, uh, Jesus is having one last Passover celebration or meal with his disciples, and they're they're not aware of what's going on. He has told them on many occasions, "I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be put in a tomb for for three days, and but I will rise again." And and they they didn't get it. They they just didn't really understand. But John points out something at the end of verse one. John says that Jesus had loved his his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. And when John mentions all of his disciples, that Jesus loved all of his disciples until the very end, that includes Judas Iscariot. And matter of fact, John mentions Judas by name in the very next verse, in verse 2. This man was a thief, and we covered this in previous podcasts. He stole money, because John points it out. He, I mean, he, he just... Puts it out there that he was he was the treasurer of the group. He stole money from the bag, uh, so he was a thief. He stole money from the other disciples. He was greedy, and he's gonna uh, this very night. He's gonna uh, uh, as as their Jesus after Jesus washes his feet and dips. They 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 start eating the meal, and Jesus dips the the, the bread in the bowl with Judas and tells Judas. He says, you know. Uh, go take care of business. And we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But but Judas was a greedy man. He he loved money. And and 
he's going to sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And yet, here is Judas in this room among the twelve and with Jesus partaking in the Last Supper. And John makes it a point to say Jesus loved his disciples, including Judas, until the very end. Now, I covered it in John 12, but I want to reiterate that uh, there is nothing you can do, not, absolutely nothing you can do that can separate you from the love of God. God loves you. God loves me no matter what we've done or what we're doing. And uh, let me share a passage with you. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, Paul writes, Can anything ever separate us from, the, from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? And see, a lot of people have a misunderstanding about that because they, they think that, that God's punishing them for something. And that's, that, 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 that's not necessarily the case. Uh, there's, and we covered this in a, in a previous podcast. There's all kinds of reasons that, that thing, things happen in our lives. But Paul says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. And he's talking about the disciples here. Then verse 37, he says, no, despite all these things. So he answers this question. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels, get that, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Corona, uh, you know, all the things that's going on with Corona, our job situation, our money situation, our family situation, all the, these worries that we have on a daily basis, Paul says nothing, nothing like that can separate us from God's love. Not even the powers of hell, he says, can separate us from God's love. In verse 39, he says, No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and Judas is the perfect example because here he is, despite all the things that he has done with this money and stole money and, and, and wanted to sell that, that nard and, and, and not because he wanted to help the poor because John points out that Judas didn't care anything about the poor. He, he wanted that money so he can, he can take some of it for himself. And he's going to sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, which was a lot of money back then. Um, but even when Judas betrays Jesus and he meets him in the Garden of Gethsemane with this uh, militia, uh, this little army uh, with, with weapons to arrest Jesus, Jesus looks him eye to eye and calls him friend. And that, that, that is just a, a great picture of the grace of God. And it, but more, more than that, it's a great example of the love of God. And nothing can separate us, Paul says, from the love of God. But here's the thing. Don't 
confuse God's love with God's salvation. Let me, let me, let me explain that. Everyone is loved by God. Everyone. No, no matter what you've done. I mean, look at Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The guy was persecuting Christians. He was putting men and women in prison. They were being killed for their faith. And, and, and Paul took a huge part. When Stephen was being stoned, they were the, the people who were stoning Stephen, they had laid their coats down at the feet of Saul, who, who is Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So this guy was basically a murderer, and yet Jesus changed his life. But before then, he was lost as a goose, but God still loved him. And people today have a misconception that just because God loves them means that God won't let them go to hell or nothing bad is going to happen to them. And, and that's just not true. Yes, God loves you despite your sin. He, he hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. He loves me and you. And Paul says nothing could separate us from the love of God. But that does not mean you're saved. Don't get God's love and his salvation confused. Everyone is loved, but not everyone is saved. Christ died for all and wants everyone to be saved, but there's a choice that you have to make. You either accept him as your Lord and Savior, or you don't. You reject him, and you do your own thing. Not his will, but your own will. If you're saved, the point is living for him and, and doing his purpose. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, Paul says to the, the church at Corinth that he, Jesus, died for everyone so that, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. After the break, I'll give you uh, a, even a, a better example from Acts chapter 2. We'll be right back. My name is Dinah Grace Hawk, and I started a movement of empowerment. I focus on Revelation 12:11, which states that we will overcome, conquer, and defeat him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we will not love our own lives even unto death. See, sharing testimony squashes pride. It empowers, it strengthens, it encourages, and it heals. This whole movement is focused on sharing our testimony, our walk with the Lord, how He's using us in this life to empower others to do the same. By doing this, we will overcome anything that this world can throw at us because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Every week from now till the end of the year, I'll be highlighting a different woman in the ministry and they're going to share their testimony. Tune in every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, either on Facebook or Instagram at Dinah Grace Hawk. And you get to be a part of this movement, too. I'll see you there. So before the break, I was saying, don't confuse God's love with God's salvation. Everyone is loved by God. He doesn't love the sin, but he loves the sinner. So God loves everyone, but he does not save everyone. As a matter of fact, Jesus says that the, 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 the road to heaven is a narrow road and there's few that find it. And broad is the road or the way that leads to destruction and, and it's easy to find. I mean, just go do your own thing like a, a lot of people do. Um, 
I want to give you an example. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples and, and Peter preaches uh, that sermon and there's thousands of people that have gathered for uh, the Feast of Pentecost uh, on this occasion. And so there's thousands and thousands of people in Jerusalem. And when the Holy Spirit falls on uh, the 12 uh, disciples or apostles uh, and Peter preaches that sermon and he talks about how they have crucified Jesus who is now sitting at the right hand of the Father and, and is now ha has all power and authority. Uh, the people ask Peter, they say, what do, we what, what do we need to do to be saved? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 41, here's what Peter says to him: Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now see, here, here, here's the thing with Jews back then would not even dare mention the name of Jesus because they thought that he was a blasphemer. And if they if they were going to be baptized in the name of Jesus, well, that's blasphemy. And and so <clears throat> Peter is saying, you got to repent, you got to turn away from your sin. In other words, you got to turn away from doing your own will and you got to start doing God's will. And, and the first thing you need to do is be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Once you repent of your sins and once you're baptized in Christ, you will receive the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that the apostles had or the disciples had back then. Because Peter says in verse 39, for the promise is for you and your children and all those who are far away. That's us today. In 2020, we are those that are far away. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. God's calling people to himself every day. God calls all men everywhere and women to repent. In verse 40, listen to this. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on urging them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had, now get this. Those there, there was thousands of people there that day. They, 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 they hear his message and he, he's speaking in tongues, which was prophesied by the prophet Joel way back in the Old Testament. And these these people from all different places, they hear Peter's message and they can understand in their own language. And there's thousands of people there that day. And listen to what uh, Luke writes in Acts. He says, with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on urging them, saying, Be safe in this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So we know that around 3,000 people heard Peter's message that day about how they have crucified the Messiah and how Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is now in a position of power, and all uh, power and authority has been given to him. And they say, what do we got to do? And Peter says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, about 3,000 people heard that message, and they chose to believe it, and they chose to be obedient to the message. But there was no telling how many thousands of people there that heard that message and said, I don't want a part of this. I'm not. That guy was a blasphemer. If he was the Messiah, he would never have let them crucify him. And so thousands upon thousands of people, just like people today, they rejected 
Peter's message. But anyway, my point in that is God loves everybody. He loves the sinner. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. But don't confuse God's love with salvation because God's love is unconditional. Salvation is con conditional. You have to do something. You, ha you have to choose to put Christ on in baptism. You have to choose to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. You have to choose to, to turn away from your will and your sinful life and repent of that and follow God's will for your life. He gives you a new purpose. And, and, and so don't mistake in God's love for salvation. God's love is definitely unconditional. He loves you. He loves me just the way we are. Despite anything that we've ever done, He still loves us. But if we want to be saved, then we have to be obedient to His will. And so... Jesus gives us the ultimate example of love, of course, when he dies on the cross. But on this night here in John chapter 13, at, at this last Passover meal with his disciples, he's going to wash the disciples' feet. And he takes on the role of a servant because this is something that when you would come into a person's home, they would have a slave that would wash the feet of the people, the guests, as they walked into the house. And, and this is the role that Jesus is taking on here. And all... At this point of the meal, all 12 disciples are present, including Judas Iscariot, the one who will soon betray Jesus. And so he goes around to each disciple and he washes their feet with the water and he takes the towel that's around his waist and, and he dries their feet off. Now, let's just be honest here. Feet are nasty. I mean, I... I I can remember seeing my stepdad's toenails when I was a kid. I was like, dude, what the what the heck is going on with your toenails? I mean, it, it, I don't know if he had some kind of fungus on them. It, it, they were just nasty. Feet, just feet are nasty. Um, and you think, you know, back then, you know, we have socks and shoes and today and, and feet are still nasty. But back then they wore sandals and I don't believe they, they had socks and you, they they didn't have you know pavement in, in like we did but they had some but not like we have today and they wore sandals and they're walking mostly on dirt and mud and their, their feet would just be nasty and some of these a lot of these guys were your rugged type men I mean uh, it, it, you think about the fishermen I mean they 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 didn't have manicures and they didn't care about their feet and what their feet looked like. Uh, they were worried about catching fish and making a living. And, and, and so here's Jesus going around washing these nasty feet. But here's the thing. It's more than washing feet. Let's, let, matter of fact, let's just examine these feet just for a minute. There's the feet of Judas Iscariot, who is greedy. He's a thief. He is going to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then there's Peter who says, I will never deny you, Jesus. In fact, I will die with you. And yet, before this night's over with, he's going to deny Jesus three times. Then there's Thomas who doubts everything that's said. He doesn't believe anything that anybody says. When Jesus is resurrected, 
He's like, I'm not going to believe y'all. Even though Jesus has appeared to the disciples like two or three times at this point, he says, I'm not believing you until I can see the nail prints in his hand and touch his side. And eventually Jesus shows up. But we're examining feet. Then you have Matthew, who is a tax collector, and I'm sure that he probably took more than his fair share on occasions. Then there's Nathaniel, who, when told about the Messiah, he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nazareth? And then there's, there's the two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who they were very selfish. They wanted, when Jesus establishes his kingdom, they said that they wanted to sit on his right and his left hand. And in fact, they even got their mom involved in it. You see, it's not just their feet that Jesus is cleansing here. It's, it's, it's the people themselves. It's their hearts. It's their souls. It's their minds. It's their attitude because Jesus knew. The disciples didn't know. They didn't understand. Even though Jesus has told them on several occasions this is going to happen, Jesus knew tonight was the night. His, his life is about to end in just a matter of hours. And the disciples, they didn't get it. And so Jesus knew what he was doing. He was trying to prepare them to take over from with his absence. That God was going to be filling them with the Holy Spirit because he had already told them about the comforter that is, that is coming when he departs from this earth. And so Jesus is not just washing their feet. He is washing these men's hearts and souls and their minds and their attitudes and he's preparing them for what is about to happen that they are taking over they are taking control of the kingdom they are literally going to be put in charge of god's kingdom and growing the kingdom and here's the thing those 12 men are gone they've been long gone and 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 we have stories of these men but you know who's in charge now that's right you and me. And we're filled with the same Holy Spirit that these men were. And we're given the same task that these men were. And that's to grow the kingdom of God. And that's why I started off with the questions at the very beginning. Who, who's the most important person in your life? Who is the most important people in your life? Is it yourself? Is your focus on yourself? Are you a selfish person? Or do you focus... Like the, that lady said in the grocery store uh, just the other day, um, I'm so tired of taking care of other people's needs. I'm, I put so many people's needs before my, my own. That's what Jesus did. And we are the hands and the feet of Jesus today in 2020. And we have to not be selfish, but to be selfless. And we have to let Christ work in us and through us, and you know, we, people say all the time, I, I want to change the world. And we have people today that want to make a difference in society, and, and they, they say they want to make an impact. And, and the, the, the thing is, and that's a great thing, but they, they, they do it in, in a bad way. They, they do it in a wrong way. They do it in a sinful way. I mean, all these things, I mean, look what's going on in our world right now. They, they they take they they take a fighting they 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 take a stand against God instead of with God. They fight against God instead of with God. They quarrel, they scream, they fight, they riot, 
They, they kill, they rob, just fill in the blanks with whatever. We see it every day on the news. Jesus is peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And His church was in the book of Acts, and it still is today, all about peace. I challenge anyone that's listening to this podcast to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. Because we're breaking down the book of John. But read the Gospels and see how Jesus was. Look at the difference that he made in people's lives and how he put people first. But look how he he treated people. Look how he made an impact on his world, on his society, on the people that were around him. Listen to his teachings and see all the good things that he did for others. And then compare it to how you think that you are making a difference. I want to end this podcast by saying this. If you really want to make a difference in society and to stand out, then be like Jesus. I dare you. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just my, grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, yeah. all my life.